challenging men to be great men. Don't just be a male, be a man, a great man. Welcome to the Great Man Podcast with your host, New York Times bestselling author and leader of men, Stephen Mansfield. Gentlemen, let us begin. I want to do something unusual in this podcast. I want to purely speak encouragement to those of you who are listening. And so let me get there uh, by circuitous route. <laughs> let me take my time in getting there, and I'll land ultimately on what I want you to hear. I'm uh, reading these days Malcolm Gladwell's book, David and Goliath. I am a guy who reads the Bible every day, and I'm paying close attention to Volodymyr Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, as he valiantly leads his country. And all of this is putting together in my mind an awareness that our lives are woven in a way that they are heading towards certain destined moments, that they are, uh, there's a a benevolent conspiracy that's bringing together all of our experiences, all of our skills, everything that we have undergone, uh, the conditioning and tempering of our souls so that we can do the things we are meant to do ultimately. And I want, to, I want to describe this a little bit more in detail, and I'm doing this for those of you who may be dealing with some discouragement. Now, I often don't speak to you this directly in this, so this much in the moment, uh, but, but I, I want to encourage those of you who may be feeling discouraged about where you are in your life circumstances. You dream of big things, you sense that you're called to more, you sense that you're made for something, and yet, you know, you're working the farm, or you're working the factory, or you're working the restaurant, or you're you're you know doing a couple, three jobs to get your family through, or whatever, and you're going, what is this about? Or or, or you're getting opposed in some some ways, and this is not really what you wanted to do, and so on. Well, I want to bring some inspiration to you because I believe that part of the art of being a man is getting that 30,000 foot view, getting up where you can see not the big picture that's in God's hands, but perhaps see, at least understand that your life will eventually take on meaning as all that you have experienced comes into play. Let me give you an example. I'm going to use my man, Vladimir Zelensky, a man I very much admire. I'm tracking him daily, watching all his videos, reading his speeches, uh, trying to encourage some things here in D.C. Um, I think I've talked about this before. I know I have on the air and in other podcasts. But Vladimir Zelensky is an unusual man. He is leading like Churchill in his country right now. But his background is kind of weird. He Um, is Jewish. Uh, He grew up during the Soviet days as kind of a secular Jew, at least publicly. They they observed their faith in private. Um, He went to law school, but never practiced law. Uh, He immediately became a comedian and of kind of a Saturday Night Live kind of type, kind of uh, dramatic and silly and and a lot of satire. Uh, In time, he started a production company and uh, wrote a television series called Servant of the People that was all about a high school teacher um, getting having a, a rant of his picked up on social media and because of that getting elected to be president of the Ukraine. It was a, it was a West Wing kind of um, comedy. I know West Wing wasn't a comedy, but, but it, was a, it was a kind of a satirical comedy uh, along the, the, the lines of, of West Wing in, in terms of production style. 
And it was so popular in the Ukraine that was dominated by bureaucrat, corrupt bureaucrats and oligarchs uh, that a political party arose called Servants of the People. And in time, Volodymyr Zelensky was elected to office on the platform of a party called Servant of the People, which drew from the television show. Now, Zelensky could never have known that he was going to end up being a wartime president, having to oppose the Russian Empire. But that's what's going on. And I want to say that though the fate of Ukraine is very much in question, what Zelensky is doing is brilliant. He's bringing everything that he's ever been to this battle. Uh, His role requires that he is a masterful communicator, and he has been. Um, it's unbelievable the way he makes speeches, knowing exactly his context. In in uh, when he was speaking by by video to the American Congress, he talked about Pearl Harbor and Martin Luther King Jr. and having a dream. When he talked to the British Parliament, he quoted Churchill and said, "We will fight on the beaches. We will fight on the landing grounds." And they went crazy, standing ovations, people weeping, people screaming, people cl- applauding. Uh, when he spoke to the Israeli Knesset, he talked about the anti-Semitism of the Russian army. When he, when, he, when he spoke to the Germans, he said, you have a saying, you say it will never happen again, meaning Nazism, but it's happening right now. What are you doing? In other words, he knew how to communicate. He also understand the ideas of broadcasting. As soon as the missiles began to fall, he'd go out into the streets and take his iPhone or whatever version of an iPhone he was using. I don't know the exact company. Then he would broadcast there. He didn't trust the Western press, and he certainly didn't trust the Soviet disinf- I mean, the Russian disinformation system. And so he would he would directly broadcast from his office and conduct interviews and 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 show the de- destruction happening with his own phone, his own hand standing on the rubble. I could just go on and on and on. He made a case like a lawyer. He 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 didn't mind shaming uh, global powers. He he spoke to presidents. Re- this past week, for example, uh, Boris Johnson, uh, the, the British Prime Minister, having walked the streets of Kiev with him, he's now said, "Mr. Biden, why don't you come join me here?" I mean, he's really challenging the West, and he's acting like a lawyer. He's acting like an actor. He's acting like a producer. He's acting like a leader. And doing a lot of things Churchill did. Why am I saying that? Because when his destined moment arose, he brought every experience, all the training, all the teaching, all the skills he had ever uh, been acquired to his battle. Now his people are grateful he was a comedian, grateful he was a broadcaster, grateful he was a scriptwriter, grateful he was trained as a lawyer, whether he ever practiced or not, grateful he has a sense of humor. I mean, when the, when, the, when the United States State Department offered to evacuate him from Ukraine, when the Russians began to cross the borders, he said, look, the fight is here. I need ammunition, not a ride. And that's such a popular uh, statement and has, has gone so viral that people are wearing T-shirts. I have flown across country here in the United States wearing a T-shirt with Vladimir Zelensky on the front that says, I need ammunition, not a ride. Because I'm so moved by this guy and like his courage and like the humor of it. You can't believe the conversations that occasioned as I flew across uh, country. One time, by the way, with security who saw the word ammunition and nothing else on the T-shirt. But hey, that's another story. So what am I saying? This man worked in jobs he didn't really care that much about. He was a comedian that was, I I think, looking back, he realizes it was far beneath who he really was and what he was made to be. Uh, but now that he's prime minister, and who knows what he'll do next, he's only 44, uh, he will bring everything he has acquired, everything he has learned, all of his physical disciplines, all his ways of thinking, all of his skills, everything he's done as a producer, a script writer, and 
even down to managing money. He's become fairly wealthy because he, 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 again, he owns a television series that went all over Europe and broadcast for years. That's going to produce money as it would in the States. And so he's had to manage his money and he brought all those skills to his current role. Well, that's the way it works. And as I've said, I'm reading Malcolm Gladwell's David and Goliath. It's all about um, how the, the victory is not often to the strong. Um, it's often to those who seem to be the least prepared. It's about people overcoming dyslexia. It's about people having hardship. It's about people being bombed during World War II. It, he literally takes time to describe the battle between David and Goliath from a from kind of a military perspective, which I think is brilliant. Um, and he's talking about how uh, the strong, the famous, the the expected victors are often not the victors for very surprising reasons. And he brings to the discussion the idea that people acquiring skills as they go through their lives is often what prepares them to break through, often what prepares them to achieve, often what, what prepares them for their moment. Uh, you know, again, I, you know that I, my default guy to go to all the time is, is Churchill. Churchill became a brilliant communicator, but he was born with a stutter. He had to work to overcome his stutter uh, in order to become a person who spoke clearly. And by working on his enunciation, he used to he used to literally do what Demosthenes used to do and walk around on estates with rocks in his mouth, um, trying to, to articulate despite the fact he had a pebble in his mouth. It's, it's what the ancients used to do. Churchill did this. Churchill also initially had stunning stage fright. His first, first speech in parliament was a disaster. So what did he do? He learned how to write out his, his speeches in kind of a script format and poetic form so that he would say it a certain way. He wrote certain staging uh, instructions to himself on the side, look up, look around, pat yourself as though looking for the right word, you know, that kind of thing. He would write those kinds of staging things. He became a brilliant communicator because he first had weaknesses. He acquired skills. Now, I could go on and on, but ultimately, this kind of thinking comes to me uh, as a Christian and a Bible reader because the stories in Scripture are all about the underclass, the unexpected, the surprising one, the one from the sticks, the one from the little town. Uh, almost everybody in the Bible is like that. You don't expect David to arise to become a king. You don't expect Jesus. People are constantly saying, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Can any good thing come out of Bethlehem? Who is this guy? Uh, the, the great heroes of the Bible are people who are surprising. Saul becomes king, but they have to go find him amongst the donkeys and the luggage because he's hiding and he's, he's fearful. And you, I could just go on and on and on. So if you're a Bible-reading Jew or Christian, uh, or, and I know many of my Muslim friends read uh, the Bible, if you're reading the Scriptures, then you are constantly exposed to story of surprising victories in the lives of people. People who come, they got challenges, they stutter, they got problems— they're maybe weird looking physically. Um, I'm, I still laugh all the time at the description of Paul, the great apostle, who one description says he was short, bald, his eyebrows collided in the middle of his forehead like two caterpillars colliding, and he was so bow-legged that a goat could walk through his legs when he was standing up. And this is a description from an early document. And yet Paul was the fiery, even Paul himself, by the way, said, well, I know my presence is not that impressive. I'm not that impressive physically, but I, I am impressive in terms of my knowledge and my, my gifts from God. And he had, he had to speak to those issues. What's my point? Just my reading of the Bible makes me aware of this. So let me bring this to a point for you. 
many of you guys are out there. You're working jobs you don't really want to work. You're in circumstances you don't really want to be in. Maybe you've grown a family and it's gotten big and maybe it's gotten expensive. Maybe you had some health challenges in that family and you're working to pay the bills, but you're not doing what you really wanted to do. I'm not talking about you wanted to be a rock star or an NFL star or what have you. You don't have ridiculous uh, levels of expectations like that, but you thought there might be more. You thought you might um, your life might take on greater meaning. You, you dreamed of doing something significant. And I want to tell you that the mundane... And the challenging and the troubling is often the price of the destined moment. You know, some of you guys have written very kindly of me. I want you to know that I have sold cigarettes. I have made pizzas. I have shoved chickens into trucks for Campbell's soup. Uh, I have worked in knee-deep chicken poop. Um, I have worked on farms. I have worked exhausting construction um, during my years in college um, because that, that were so physically troubling that when I returned to campus, they would send me to the doctor uh, thinking that I had gotten uh, sick and, and somehow was because I was so thin. But it was all because I was working so hard and building bridges. I could go on and on and on. I graduated from college and went and lived out in West Texas, a place so foreign to my upbringing you can't even believe it. And I, but, but still, you learn, you grow, you earn degrees, you read books, you study, you pay attention, you acquire the skills you need to acquire. You don't just take opposition as just being bitter, angry people who are wrong, but rather you look at yourself. You allow your critics to be the un, uh, unpaid guardians of your soul. You realize that there is a God in heaven and that your life is, 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 a, is a conspiracy of benevolence that's coming together and drawing from all that you've acquired. You have hassles maybe with your wife, but you learn about yourself through them. You learn that you're messy, or you learn that you are perhaps not as good with your words or expressing your emotions as you ought to be. You learn, you grow, you increase, you improve. And if you're trusting God and looking to him, and if you are uh, aware of how history teaches us about how greatness arises, it doesn't. people don't fall from the womb and are great the first day. Greatness is built. The mundane, the difficult, the challenging, uh, the hurtful, the breakings, they are the price of not, not so much fame. Most of us will never be famous, but the meaningful, the good that we can do, the Zelensky moment, we might call it. So I want you to hear me now. I'm thinking about you today. I'm thinking about the guy flipping burgers. I'm thinking about the guy going to school one course at a time. I'm thinking about uh, the guy, you know, who's out there right now. Maybe he's got a family bigger than he expected. I know some guys who wanted to have two children ended up having five almost immediately. Uh, and they look at me like, well, I'm going to do the right thing here, but dang, uh, there are all kinds of challenges in life. There's some of you out there with physical difficulties. I understand, but I want you to understand that what I call greatness, which is not fame necessarily, or even wealth, uh, but it's significance. It's doing what you're made to do. It's stepping into the purposes for your life. The price of it is all the stuff that's discouraging you now. And we've all been through it. Anybody who's, who's achieved any level of impact, anybody who's been prominent, anybody who's accomplished good and godly purposes, um, that has come at having to deal, deal with the stuff that is discouraging. You'd be shocked at how much time the average person that you admire on the international scene has spent being discouraged. I certainly have. Others have. And so don't let it get into your soul. See all of your challenges as a school of character development. And realize 
that your destined moments lie ahead. This is the development. This is the growth. This is the learning. We'll be talking about this more as time uh, unfolds. I I care about you guys. I'm talking to a lot of you as I travel and speak. I'm aware um, that that some of you are just really dealing with some discouragement, really dealing with our difficult times. And every time you turn on the news, have a conversation with a friend, watch what's going on in your city, you know, you just wonder if the whole thing's not going to hell. Well, it's not, and certainly your life is not. In fact, you were made for this generation. You're going to make a difference. But there has to be that season of preparation. And you know, many of you are Bible readers. You know the classic image from Scripture that David first had to use his slingshot, so to speak, to protect his flock of sheep from the the lion and the you know the the, the animals that would would come to steal the sheep. And then later, only later, was he so skilled and so proficient that he could take out Goliath. That's the way it works. So be encouraged. You haven't been forgotten. You're not laid aside. Unless you're just giving your life to complete dissipation and immorality, uh, you're on the right path. And good things are coming. And knowing this is one of the great arts of noble manhood. To join the Great Man Movement or to book Stephen to speak at your men's event, go to greatman.tv. You'll learn about Stephen Mansfield's three essential books for men. Mansfield's Book of Manly Men, Building Your Band of Brothers, and Men on Fire, as well as some other great resources for helping you become the great man you are made to be. The Great Man Podcast is a Mansfield Group production. 